Hi everyone, this is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show, and this show is for anyone that is passionate about health in this world. So if you're accountable, you have the passion, the desire, or you're doing it today, and you're helping people get healthier, this is the show for you to listen to. I am super excited today to have Arun on the show. Arun Pen. Metza uh, is with Storm Ventures. He's a partner at Storm Ventures. I'm really excited that Arun's making time to join us. Been wanting him to be on the show for a while. But um, what's most important, Arun, you're most important. So welcome to the show. <laughs> great. No, thank you for having me. Really excited to be here. Great, great. Well, Arun, um, as you know, the format, you know, origin stories are really important. How we get started to lead us to where we're at today. Take us back. Tell us how you got started and tell us a little bit about you. Sure, of course. Um, so I don't know how far you want me to go back, but uh, I was born and raised in India. I came to the United States for undergrad uh, and my background has mostly been on the engineering side. So I worked in uh, engineering and product at Google and Oracle, uh, building enterprise products. I did that for a few years and then business school. And then I joined Storm Ventures about four years ago. Um, on the healthcare side, I, I think my interest in the in the space goes back to growing up in India. Um, you know, we can talk a little bit more about the differences in, in the healthcare systems between you know an, an emerging market like India and and in the U.S. But uh, I was involved, uh, you know, in some of the hospital systems there through through personal friends and family, and really uh, you know saw the impact that healthcare can have on people. And that got me interested. And when I when I joined Storm, and I can talk more about Storm as well, but uh, we didn't specifically have a healthcare practice at that time. You know, we've been around for about 18, 19 years and uh, invested a lot in enterprise software. And, and some of our companies have sold into healthcare, but there, were never, there were, but there was never a focus on healthcare. And given the shifts that are happening in the sector, especially I would say over the last 10 years, I thought this would be a very interesting time to focus on that sector. So I joined Storm and, and, and sort of, you know, started the process of looking at healthcare and, and being more aggressive in the space. So, so that's how I ended up here. Interesting. Interesting, Arun. Yeah, no, it's, it's fascinating. Obviously, coming from your background, um, um, you know, Google, Oracle, um, you know, super fascinating. Um, what's, what's different about the Storm model, you know, the Storm Ventures model when it comes to healthcare? What's your, what's your mental model or, or your mindset when, it, when you're looking at healthcare? Yeah. Um, so a couple of things. One, uh, we focus on digital health. So it's where technology can improve workflows in healthcare. So we wouldn't do anything like devices or pharma or, or, <clears throat> or anything like that. And I think that really ties w uh, into our focus on enterprise software. So in our view, and healthcare is definitely a unique sector, but there's a lot of lessons that you can translate across different enterprise sectors and the way you build products, the way you sell, the way you think about how you create value. So, so that's where we tend to focus on. And for us, uh, when we think about investing in healthcare, uh, a lot of the emphasis is on deep workflows. So we can, and we can dig in more into this, but, but for example, I spend a lot of time thinking about payer provider workflows, right? So not the specifically the consumer facing side, which, which is interesting. And we've looked a lot at that as well, but I really like to get into the details about, you know, how payers would bill uh, and, and providers would bill and how payers would pay you know, HEDIS and, and, uh, uh, and, and all the workflows associated with that. So, so that's an area I, t I tend to spend a lot of time in. So we spend a lot of time with, with physicians, with insurance companies, uh, just sitting in their offices and trying to understand what, what they do day to day. And I think that translates really well across what we do at Storm, 
uh, and across a number of different sectors. Interesting. Um, yeah, very, very fascinating. Right, w- workflows, workflow optimization in this space. Uh, lots of different ways to tackle it. Innovations coming in on the digital front. Um, you, you know, and obviously at a macro level, you, you've got a value-based movement going on. Um, payers and providers are starting to talk a little bit more. Maybe not as fast as they need to, but maybe love to hear a little bit more about your passions. You know, in this space. You know, yeah. maybe you've hit a couple of themes. Uh, tell us about what you're passionate about in this space and maybe the inner workings or opportunities that you're seeing in the space. Yeah, of course. You know, healthcare, you know, it's interesting. It's it's obviously deeply meaningful at a personal level to everyone. And it's so big that even a small change can have a massive impact, right? But historically, the challenge has been, as you alluded to earlier in the show, is that the incentives have been so misaligned, um, you know, with the payer, provider, patient model. But I think one of the really interesting things over the last few years is that uh, given what's happening with value-based care, and you talked a little bit about that, and the new codes that are coming out, you know, for remote monitoring, now there are codes for uh, for reimbursement if, if physicians spend time looking at, you know, patient data when they're not in the hospital. Um, I think a lot of these incentives are starting to get aligned very slowly, unfortunately, but but moving in the right direction. And, and as more and more systems and contracts move to risk-based, and, you know, it is still taking time, but, but they're slowly moving, I think there's a huge opportunity because, you know, for the first time in, in decades, the way money f- flows through healthcare is changing. And that is obviously causing everyone to invest and build new workflows, adopt new technology. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's, that's the opportunity, right? Not just to, like, mm-hmm. improve... Um, lives and 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 you know uh, and the way healthcare is delivered but also for for startups and and businesses so i i think that is something that's really exciting as a, as a sort of broader trend and, mm-hmm. and and within that how you get to those endpoints is where technology comes in right i think technology mm-hmm. was saying earlier uh you know technology is like water right it'll find all the cracks that are in the system uh, but but given what's happening with devices, uh, you know, with variables, with VR, AR, and AI, um, I think there's a lot of opportunity to improve, you know, all kinds of workflows or even create new ones. Um, mm-hmm. And I can give you one example, right? So uh, you know, we have we have an investment in a company that uh, again is is deeply focused on trying to understand, you know, if you implement a risk-based contract or a value-based contract, how do you exactly measure this, um, you know, across mm-hmm. a payer level, across a, a provider level, a department level, and down to the individual physician. So they kind of go into the guts of healthcare. And again, you know, we're getting into the weeds a bit here, but as an example, there's a system called HEDIS in healthcare, which measures, you know, sort of the performance of all the players and there's about you know 70, 80 measures that CMS puts out, uh, but a lot of how that's tracked and measured today is very manual. So these guys have gone in and you know automated a lot of that, brought intelligence and predictability to that, which which really again drives forward the shift to value-based care. So that's mm-hmm. just an example, but those are kind of the workflows that we like. Um, you know things that the average consumer uh, you know would never even know existed. Um, mm-hmm. That's where we're focused on. And, and- Along the lines of, of HEDIS and the specific codes, right, in, in this space, what's a, what's a deeper example, maybe with a startup that you're involved with or, or not, um, you know, have a deeper example on, you know, there's codes like CPT code 99490, right, you know, that allows an interesting, you know, reimbursement opportunity for companies. But can you elaborate a little bit more on the, on the, the HEDIS element, the risk-based contract, maybe even how, 
uh, things like AI could improve, you know, the, the workflow a, a, against that process. Yeah. I mean, on the Hedis case, you know, we have an investment in a company called Lexigram that's doing really well. Um, mm-hmm. as, as I mentioned, today, the way Hedis is is measured, um, and, you know, there's variations, but but typically it's, it's a lot of it is manual, right? People come in, mm-hmm. look at all your paper records, your claims data and so forth. And try to kind of check off, okay, for the for this patient, you know, have you met all those HEDIS scores, HEDIS measures? But but as you can imagine, that's manual. There's errors, and eventually CMS will come in and you know take a sample of that and try to assign you, uh, you know, judge how you're performing, uh, and that eventually informs your star rating as well, or part mm-hmm. of the star rating. Uh, mm-hmm. But so what what this company has done is you know taken all that data, uh, you know, used a lot of. Uh, technology to an auto, uh, an OCR to to digitize it one, but then added intelligence on uh, on top of that to, to give you a better sense of how you're performing, but also predict where the gaps are, right? Because the challenge mm-hmm. is you often don't know you made a mistake in any of these measures until you go review it like months or years later, and there's no way to correct that. But if you can kind of do HEDIS sort of you know abstraction, uh, that's kind of the term they use in real time you know when you're making mistakes and you can get the patients back in to correct them because ultimately the goal is not just to get that check mark but to to because it's 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 an indicator of how you're uh, providing care so that mm-hmm. that ties back to the whole value based care uh, uh, system because that's the intention right you want to right. you want to treat the patient as a holistic uh, uh, individual and not just focus on the service you're providing or the treatment um, and i think that's that's the key ultimately the focus should be on how do you improve the health overall? Awesome, awesome, Arun. Now this is great. And then, um, you know, when it comes to digital health, there's a, a lot of new themes um, that you you guys are probably seeing and obviously investing in that are that are also fascinating and probably complementary yeah. to uh, improving workflows. There's there's AI, VR, AR, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, blockchain. Could you elaborate on some of these other, you know, newer technology trends and how they apply to healthcare, but maybe the opportunities that they bear with them in, in, in improving these workflows as well? Of course. Yeah. You know, one of the biggest things that uh, I think we need to do a far better job in is is focusing on nutrition and behavioral health, uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, we can talk about chronic conditions and and all the other kind of lifestyle diseases. But, but I think, you know, both behavioral health and and nutrition have such a dramatic impact and amplify whatever whatever else is happening with you, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, and and I know this the realization is coming and this sort of more investment and more focus on those those areas, but I think that's that can be a huge lever in how we improve health across uh, mm-hmm. our nation. So, so you know, taking behavioral health for example, um, you know, that's a place where VR and AR can can really come in. Um, uh, because it's not just the, la- the sort of the, the the discrepancy in the, in the supply of of, uh, of of physicians in the space versus the demands that the patients have, but just as an example, there are companies now that use VR uh, to to provide different therapy options, right? Because you know, if you think about traditionally, you would go into um, uh, a therapist's office, and you know, you you've had a let's say a traumatic episode, um, and 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 the, one of the one of the way treatments work is. You kind of expect it to like you know relive or, or talk about what happened, right? But mm-hmm. with VR and you know to some extent AR, you can actually kind of make the patient you know live that scenario. I mean, a very basic example is fear of heights, right? So, right. so you can't like you know the, the the physician can't really take the patient to a tall building all the time because you know that's not practical. 
But with VR, you can you can kind of put them in that environment, kind of walk them through it, and the physician can kind of see what the patient is seeing. And, and that opens up a whole new world of possibilities on how you more aggressively work with uh, with, with some of the issues that you, you find. Um, you know, mm-hmm. VR and AR have also been shown to have dramatic uh, effects in, in pain management, um, you know, as mm-hmm. kind of a distraction technique. Um, so, so those are those are a couple of examples, and then you know, obviously, this ties back into nutrition and a number of areas where there, there are challenges in trying to understand, you know, what is the best course of treatment or lifestyle changes at, at an individual level, right? Today, mm-hmm. a lot of the advice we get is sort of at a group level, you know, based on your age, maybe your race or sex, like you know, this is what we think. But mm-hmm. technology kind of moves more into that area. Um, you know, we can really dive down and, and say, okay, you know, for this individual, this is the right course of treatment or the right actions you need to take. And I think that is that is very powerful. Right, right. Um, no, this is this, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, and, and you know, we're starting to see that train a lot, right? So you know, um, personalization, consumerization of healthcare. A lot of it also comes down into really just our mindsets, right? How we think about health and it all boils down to, you know, our mental behavioral side, nutrition, right? You know, as they say, you know, the, I love the, I love the saying abs are made in the kitchen, right? Well, well, right. Um, you, you know, I, uh, you know, on a personal level, you know, I, I haven't eaten a carb today, you know, I'm fasting today and I feel very highly energetic. I've meditated twice already today. Um, and I'll probably do some yoga tonight and, and that's a really good way, but I'm also very like weak in the knees for Kit Kats. If you have a Kit Kat around, <laughs> I'm probably going right. to eat it. Right. And, and, uh, but tell us uh, a little bit about, you, you know, your mindset when it comes to like nutrition and mental health, what are some things that you do or recommend or you've seen to really work? I mean, you're, you're exposed to so many different patterns at a macro micro level in this space. What are some interesting insights that that you partake in or are fascinated by on on a, on a personal nutrition basis? Yeah, I think I think meditation is one that's that's really under underappreciated. Um, you know, especially in today's world where you know it's, it's it's a very hectic lifestyle for a lot of people, and it's really hard to find time to just relax and 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 mm-hmm. take it all in. And uh, you know, we've seen a lot of uh, you know meditation and wellness startups um, uh, sort of uh, over the last few years. And this applies not just at a personal level, right? Even for employer mm-hmm. and 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 health systems, they realize more and more that uh, you know these kind of activities uh, have a massive preventative effect because we you know, mm-hmm. we have great medicine. You know, we can always uh, you know do a do a relatively good job, I think, in in treating people once they fall sick. But but the ultimate goal is to make sure that we can delay. You know, maybe we can fully prevent some of these illnesses, but delay them as long as possible, right? So, mm-hmm. so I think in 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 thinking along those lines, um, you know, the emphasis should really be on 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 wellness and and sort of uh, meditation and these kind of behavioral practices because that creates a huge impact, um, especially in today's world where where stress is unfortunately just part of your day. Hmm. Hmm. No, I absolutely ruin it. It does definitely make sense on a on a healthcare setting on some of these trends and that we're seeing AI, AR, VR. I know you cited one example about the the heights, but are you seeing any services, workflows, or hospital systems incorporating, um, you know, like true prescription along the way, like a workflow that actually says, hey, you know, a ping or a nudge, it says, you know, time to meditate, or here's some interesting ways to, to become mindful, or is there anything progressive that you're seeing there being applied that 
you know, from a VC perspective, seems like, wow, that's something that, you know, it'd be great to grow and scale that. Yeah. You know, I've seen a couple of examples where physicians are prescribing digital apps, you know, how you prescribe medications, right? They're prescribing mm-hmm. apps. Um, and I wouldn't say there's one app that's really kind of broken out in this space. And I think it's more at the individual physician level rather than the health system deciding, okay, these are mm-hmm. the apps you would recommend. But a lot of those are, you know, around, you know, nutrition or, or, or meditation or wellness kind of situations, right? Where, where the physician would say, okay, you know, these are the things I would, I would recommend. And, and today, you know, those apps are kind of trying to build out the workflows where the data kind of goes back to the physician. They, they kind of track how often the patient is engaged. Now, I think we're still very early in that in that journey. You know, I don't think there have been enough studies that kind of show the sort of the efficacy of that. Um, you know, I don't think there's sort of reimbursement for kind of these kind of things. So I don't think it, I think it'll take time for it to be, for there to mm-hmm. be mass adoption. But I've definitely seen um, at sort of the individual physician level, uh, people prescribing things because again, the, the, the impact can be massive, right? Especially for the right kind of patient. Um, so, so yes, yes. I, I think it's coming. I think it's still early, but I think yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. You know, it, it's like when it comes to mindfulness and meditation, you know, it's, it, there's, there's hard stats around it. There's soft stats around it. And then there's like, still like a, a little bit of, uh, of a stigmatization on being able to proclaim, you know, loud from a system perspective that these are the things that we should be promoting and doing. Um, you know, which goes into kind of a, a little bit of what we talk about. So many different themes in healthcare, so many different themes in digital health and opportunities. From a, a, a VC perspective or, or um, investor perspective, how do you assess market opportunity? Like, how do you measure market opportunity to determine like problem market fit? Um, it, you know, in this space. So, like, when you see an idea, when you see something come across, so a lot of our listeners either are running health tech companies, they're with providers, they're with providers, they're they're, they're always trying to innovate, right? And uh, just love for you to to hear a little bit about your mental model, or you know, storms, or maybe you know, ideally, it's one and the same. Um, how do you assess, you know, that the market opportunity of these solutions coming into the digital health space? Yeah, so I would say a couple of ways. One, uh, since we spend so much time with, with sort of providers and payers, um, a lot of the way we assess things is, is kind of go look at the workflow that, that might change, right, as a result of deploying this new technology or, or solution. So, so mm-hmm. uh, you know, there, there's sort of the I guess the classic bottoms up approach, right? Where where we kind of go, uh, you know, we take an idea, we go talk to the people we have, you know, the connections that we're fortunate to have in these systems and just think through, all right, this is what you do today. This is sort of the volume of patients that you're managing. You know, what is the impact of this, right? Can we credibly say it'll move the needle? Uh, and if it does, you know, what's the breadth of the population that this will impact? So, right. so at least for Storm, we, we, we tend to be pretty hands-on, uh, both in terms of working with our companies, but also trying to get a deeper understanding of the market and, and working and spending time with the practitioners in that market. So so that informs a lot of our decision-making. Um, you know, there's, there's always sort of the studies that you find out there that give you market sizes. But, but I think with something like healthcare, every number is big, right? So yeah. you, you really yeah. have to dig in and think through, all right, you know, is this sort of the right uh, uh, opportunity? Is it the right workflow? Will the workflow actually change? Will physicians are they are they again think through incentives, right? 
even though it's a cool technology, are they incentivized to to adopt it? Because you know everybody's busy, right? Physicians, patients, you know everyone is busy. Mm-hmm. So so what will really move the needle, and what is the mechanism to get that needle to move? And I think if you can build conviction around that, then then we are more uh, willing to kind of make the bet. Because in most cases, if you can move the needle in healthcare, the opportunity is massive. Uh, I mean, right. I think market size is one of the things that 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 is not typically a huge concern in healthcare. Right, right, Arun. No, this is really really interesting. And you know, uh, along those lines, um, you know, when you when you see companies, you know, selling into, you know, you talk with providers and payers all day long. You, you know these these spaces really well. And and obviously, there's two <laughs> there's two jokes about the industry as well. It's like market size is so big, but selling to healthcare is really hard. Sales right. cycles are, are really long. Um, you've probably seen so many different trends, things that work, things that don't. Um, there's techniques out there like, you know, capitalizing on CPT code 99490. There's, you know, minority business enterprise uh, certifications and leveraging that supplier diversity process. There's potentially partnering with the joint commission or being bundled into, you know, some sort of cloud solution on the the Cerner or, you know, Google or Microsoft or Salesforce ecosystem. What are some, some, a few things, if any, that you've seen work to help reduce sales cycles, to be bundled, to be sold into providers and payers more efficiently, whether it's technology channeling, partnering, or just messaging? Just love to hear if you have any tips or suggestions from the patterns you've seen. Yeah, uh, I mean, some, sometimes you just have to like, get lucky, like you said, right? Uh, a code comes out <laughs> and then, you know, the business model suddenly starts to work. Um, uh-huh. But I would say a couple of things. One, uh, think about w- where you're selling in a, from a geographic point of view. You know, one thing that I've found uh, some, help, some startups do really well is, uh, you know, if you think about where we're located, right? I mean, we're in the Bay Area. Um, you know, uh, every startup in the area is kind of trying to get into the, the Stanford's, the Kaiser's, right? So they are, right. they are definitely overloaded. But, but, you know, you can go like to the middle of the country or, or certain regions where, where people are not banging down the doors, right? I mean, they might be, but, but it's still at a, at a pace or volume that's far less than you would found, you'll find at the major health systems. Now, they might not be early adopters, but what I found is if you especially go to sort of the medium-sized health systems um, or in regions where the populations are unfortunately more at risk, uh, or even the payers in those regions were not necessarily the big payers, but the medium-sized payers, you know, a few hundred thousand patients under 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 management, they tend to be a, a lot more open to adopting technology these days because they realize that the change is coming. They don't have the scale to like kind of, you know, keep doing what they're doing. Um, so so for them, each patient that's uh, whose who's, who's life is improved and, and, you know, and, and consequently the costs associated go down, is a dramatic impact because they don't have you know tens of millions of patients. They have a few hundred thousand patients that they manage, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know relatively less access to technology because you know they don't have the latest startups always banging on their doors. So I've seen that mm-hmm. you know have a substantial impact on sales cycles because you know oftentimes for them it, it's 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 not like the really innovative stuff, right? But even some of the basic stuff that we take for granted here uh, can make make can make a dramatic impact. The second thing I would say is uh, think about uh, focusing on 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 underserved populations. So you know Medicaid uh, populations can can uh, again it's not where technology is usually deployed. There's some basic fundamental challenges around you know how do you identify the right patient and things like that, right? Because you know they tend to move around a lot and the the the, the engagement unfortunately tends to be lower. 
so so if you can if you can make a dent there um there's the, the improvement in outcomes can be pretty dramatic um so so i would also encourage startups to focus there because um the, not only on the health outcome side which is great for for all of us as as a society but 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 payers and providers care a lot about that because if you think about you know again like the barrier population right it's, it, i would say on average we're healthier than than the nation uh so making it's it's much harder to like have a dramatic impact, impact here and consequently get everybody's attention versus other parts nice nice uh arun yeah thank you for for you know elaborating on on those areas of opportunity and you know along the same wavelength there um can you tell us a little bit about your vision of the future what has you excited about the future of healthcare um and you know, maybe even some things that you believe in the space that haven't been proven yet, or others may believe that are you know even crazy, but but haven't been proven yet. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, this is pretty high level, but uh, you know, just you know, having grown up in India and seen sort of some other systems, uh, I, I really hope we can get to a stage where we can transfer learnings across all these different systems. I mean, you know, this has been written about a lot, but but if you take a country like Japan, right, which has a you know an aging population. Um, you know, there's a lot of pretty much. I think everyone is is covered there. Uh, but on a, on a per, per capita basis, the cost of healthcare is is half or even less than that. Uh, and there's obviously you know other countries in in, in Asia and in, in Europe where you have different models uh, where sort of the cost benefit ratio is slightly different. So I think some of it is lifestyle driven, driven. Some of it is technology driven. But I think. I think there's a great opportunity to move the discussion away from purely a cost perspective, but but to a point where we can learn from all these different systems and hopefully come up with a hybrid that that kind of brings care at an, at an affordable rate to everyone. Um, so that's kind of you know the hope going forward, and I think we'll get there. Um, you know, technology is playing a huge role in in bringing transparency to the space. So. Consumers are more engaged in the healthcare than than sort of ever before. Uh, you know, patient uh, providers and payers are are leveraging more technology to bring efficiency. So you know, we still have a lot of basic issues, but but I think as 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 our knowledge grows and and as people start to kind of you know the system the the different systems start to work together, I I really hope we can get to a place where uh, you know we, we we kind of standardize healthcare across the world and and not always point out that you know it's like 22 percent of our gdp and we still can't get the results we want nice nice uh Arun, really appreciate the perspectives that you're bringing and uh the insights uh most importantly you know on, on the industry and all these different uh technology trends that we're seeing in the digital health space so really exciting uh arun um first of all thank you for you know making time to be on the show and share your experiences to share your story what your passions are, and then obviously your vision of the future. Um, for our listeners out there that like that would like to engage with you and reach out to you, what would be a good way to engage with you? Sure. Uh, you know, my, my, my email is just Arun at Storm Ventures. So, you know, feel free to reach out anytime. I love talking healthcare. And uh, I'm obviously on, on, on social media. I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn and, and Twitter as well. Um, so, yeah, you know, just reach out and, and hope to connect with uh, some of you soon. Great, great. Arun, well, thank you so much. We'd love to have you back as you see more trends and work on more projects and get more involved with other startups as well. But uh, Arun, thanks for being on the show. And 
for our listeners out there, again, this is the Pop Health Show. This show is for anyone that is interested in making more than one person healthier in this world. So thanks, Arun. Thanks so much again. Thank you. Thank you for having me.